Welcome to B&B with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond, the podcast where we dive into the incredible world of self-healing and the mind-body connection using biohacking and lessons from Germanic New Medicine. All right. So welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to this uh, next episode of B&B with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond. And today I have a really special guest that I'm excited to talk to again. We work together on uh, certain intense aspects of his life and we're able to find some balance using biohacking and GNM. And he's become a really good friend and uh, a GNM advocate, actually. So my guest is here. His name is Carlo Chikyamko. Hi, Carl. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak over here at my podcast. And, you know, we know that, that it takes some sort of courage to really talk about one's personal journey. The idea that you're telling your story, I think a lot of people will be able to identify with it and then also find perhaps some sliver of hope that there is a way out of anything that they're experiencing intensely. So, Carl, why don't you start by just letting us know about your story, the journey, how you got started, anything you wanted to share. It all started, uh, I just found out of my mental health issues in high school, way back early in. So I went through cognitive behavioral therapy or, or talk therapy with a psychologist who I saw for more than 20 years. More than 20 years, okay. At first, it was a twice a week session, one hour of talk therapy, and then I think that went on for five years, and then it became once a week, and then once in two weeks, once a month. It was actually a band-aid. It was like a band-aid therapy for me. So, so they would use cognitive behavior therapy or, yeah, so CBT, talk therapy, and this would go on for years and years. Just to, out of curiosity, were you ever given a diagnosis of any of any sort? No, that's the problem. No, I think during the eighties, the word depression was still a taboo. Okay. So I was not even there was no formal uh, diagnosis that undergoing depression. It was just I I don't even remember. No, no, I I actually remember why I why I ended up with the psychologist with the psychologist because my mom was observing some some violent behavior. I could I could turn myself that time. Yeah, I was an angry kid. You were an angry kid. Yeah. yeah, I was an angry kid, angry teenager, angry young adult. And and that's why I think during our work together, we identified it. If we were to look at it in GNM terms, it would be kind of an aggressive constellation in a way. No, there, there is a little bit of, well, violence. There There is a little bit of angry expression throughout your life. And so when was the first time that your mom ever subjected you to the conventional method of treating, quote-unquote, mental or behavioral issues? The behavioral issues because it started when this what um in GNM term it was a territorial conflict. Okay. Yes. It started when I was sent away from, from my school. Okay. And how old were you when you were sent away? Between fourteen to sixteen. Okay, so high school. To, yeah. Yeah. I was sent to a new school which gave me culture shock, which gave me depression. That that was a time really that um, my mental issues manifested. Okay. And so the mental issues were that what you were saying, like the angry constellation and all of that. Angry constellation, having a hard time accepting where I was at that time. Right. Yeah. And that can definitely trigger an aggressive constellation, no? My coping mechanism was 
No, there was no coping mechanism. I would just act out when I want to act out. Okay, and how would that be? How would you act out? It was more and more violent uh, act out. Like you would, what would you do in terms of expressing in, violence? Well, in school, I, I, was always, I was always getting into fight. Ah, yeah. Even even a petty action that irritates me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to, to give you a punch. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyone yeah. in school, at home as well? Mm, not much at home. Okay. We, I can say that. My mom was still in in the disciplinary office. <laughs> she was always visiting the principal, picking you up, and yeah, because the principal or the discipline um, officer at that time would always call home for a meeting because of my of my behavior. Okay, got it. And so the, at 15, 16, Kenyan, when you were moved to a new school, and this is a big deal, by the way, when kids are moved to a new environment and they're not welcomed immediately, it can definitely cause a conflict. And so is that when you felt the symptoms come out instead of earlier in your life, when like toddlerhood, there were no symptoms at that time? No, there were there were symptoms during, even when I was in preschool, I remember I got into a fight. I, I, I was the preschool. In preschool. So preschool's like what? How old? What, Four, but seven, seven. Ah, six, seven. seven. Okay. Yeah. So six, seven, that's like grade two already. Uh, because that time in my grade school school or or yeah, I'll mention the the school. Apimeo had had a an age limit. You couldn't enter grade one until you're seven. Oh, okay. Okay. So my, yeah, uh yeah, I'll um I stand corrected. Preschool incident happened, yeah, when I was around five or six. Okay, so that young, all right. Yeah, that young. Okay. And then what happened in preschool? What I remember is I punched a classmate and then I had a remorse. Yeah, I felt so guilty. Oh, wow. It was okay. like an impulse. It was just like my fist just flew to him. Oh, my gosh, without you knowing. Yeah. And then I felt so bad that time. Okay. And I, I kept everything to myself. Okay. So it was compounded and compounded. Light. There yeah. was no form of... Um, release or or how they say that no way to let go no way yeah, to, no way. No, no to way find to yeah so I, was rep- I was just repressing it trying to forget about it and it did i i, I don't know i didn't feel good that time when when that incident happened uh on that uh on that preschool yeah. right yeah and i i want to emphasize there were, there were a no. lot of problems during that time Okay. Um, in school mostly, or were there also some incidents at home? Well, at home, I could. It was not a peaceful uh, uh, home because of parents fighting all the Okay. Yeah. Even even in Pratapato, I was not affected. I pretended that I did not hear the fight. Right. So I pretended in my head that okay, lang ito. Nothing. I mean, um, nothing to worry about. Right. Yeah. Here, I was just all absorbing it. It was all input, input. So no, no um, coping mechanism though. Right. I didn't know how to how to react. So it was a new, uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, and absolutely horrifying. I think for a child of that age. Yeah. To not mm-hmm. be able, not feel secure by the very people who are supposed to make them feel secure. No, and yeah. and and this happens more often than not. And of course, fighting is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm not saying that when you fight, it immediately causes trauma, the right? But fighting mm-hmm. regularly, consistently, where it already creates doubt in the minds of children, it might. They have to go into survival mode for that. So yeah. yes, it becomes a big thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. My actually um my only outlet that time I was power growing up was just to play sport. I mean it took my mind off right. whatever um negative feelings I had or negative emotion. I just played and played and played basketball that time. Great. Were you good at it? Yeah, I I was I landed in varsity at that time. Oh nice. Uh, that career stopped when I had to be uprooted from my school. I didn't want to play for other sports at that time. So that also added that also added to my what depression. Right. Yeah. So when you had to move, you so you moved from Ateneo, your yeah. parents, at, at between fourteen and sixteen that time, to another school. Okay. And so you also had to leave the varsity of Ateneo. So that added yeah. compounded. Yeah, and uh-huh. I was asked to play uh, my high school school. But when I found out that the tournament would be play against Ateneo, I opted that to go. Oh, yeah. 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 That added more. Well, okay. Right. My sports career in basketball and just right. because I didn't want to, to play against my former school. Right. Okay. So what we're painting is like a profile of, you know, a child with whom you would probably label as disturbed, bothered, has behavioral issues, right? Yeah. But when you look at this child's background story, there are goings on. It's not like this child just became bothered, disturbed, violent, you know, out of the blue. There are reasons. And, and when you know Germanic New Medicine, you absolutely know that it, there is a psychobiological adaptation in the brain that is trying to help him survive, help the child survive. Yeah. And so aggressive constellation, sometimes when a child bursts out in anger, it's really so that he does, he won't die. So his, his alarm signals are just so sensitive because, oh my gosh, I might die. And I'm just going to bring out this, uh, this act of consolation so I can defend myself. So in, innately, when you look at emotions, there's nothing wrong with emotions. They're really yeah, there right. biologically for our survival. So when you have anger and there's somebody who is, you know, threatening your safety or threatening the safety of your loved ones, anger will allow us to muster up the courage and bring up muscle kinetic energy so that you can mm-hmm. defend yourself and loved ones. So it's really mm-hmm. there. No, but sometimes when it's always being triggered, it becomes your normal. It becomes your baseline. And that's just who you are. You became, and then you become labeled as the angry kid. Yeah, I was labeled the angry kid. The angry kid. And, and you know, I have so much compassion for children. So like what you went through, Carlos, because they're, they're, you're right there. In the 80s when we grew up, there's just nothing. There was nothing at the time to help us self-regulate or to help us cope. And there was just a lot of fear around asking for help. It seemed like nobody was going to help us. There was no such thing, first of all. There was no such thing as help. It's just punish yeah. or yeah. give them meds or bring them to the psych. It's not like, why don't we help the child build his nervous system or or his coherence capacity so that they can yeah. self-regulate. Well, I'm ganon. That's just well, alien. Emotional concept was not even a word. Exactly. Theory. Yes. Yes. It only came out, what, in the 90s when you heard about EQ? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not when we were kids in the 80s, 70s. Even though I was seeing this psychologist on a regular basis, for the longest time, I was not told that, Carmen, you are undergoing depression or you have depression now. Yeah. So I was at a loss. I mean, why am I seeing you and then so what's wrong with you? Right. I even I even asked that question to my doctor that time. I don't remember what the answer was, but it definitely it wasn't stated as depression or you're going through some emotional weakness now. I, I, I just couldn't remember uh, 
the reply. Right. And then when they do CBT, what do they talk about? Like what, what is usually talked about in those sessions? Uh, it's usually they ask me how my week was, how, how I was coping with, with my study at that time or my issues. It wasn't really on the feeling or emotional level. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more conscious mind stuff. It's like what's going on yeah, yeah. presently in your life. Ganyan. Okay. So nothing yeah. ever in the feeling sensation or subconscious level. No, no, not, not even I mean, introspection, nothing. So that time, that, that time I felt it was fun. Yeah. After the session it was like a five step forward. And then in between the, the test shot or in between my, my counseling with my psychologist, by the time I see her again on the next session, I'm, I felt like I was back to zero again. And this went on for how many forward, years? Forward, forward, forward. Forward, backward, forward. I, I remember it was, it started 1982. And when I saw the psychologist, I wasn't, I felt deceived. My aunt at the time picked me up. My mom asked her brother to, to pick me up because in Greenfield, he brought me to Greenfield all the while. I was supposed to see, I was going to be going to keep a lot of that. I without me going. I was, yeah. right. I was brought into this room. I was just, um, instructed to sit down. The psychologist was inside. So it was like, I was at a loss. I, I felt deceived. I thought we were going to go shopping or. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. So how you felt deceived by your uncle, um, and by then, mom and uncle. I mean, by your mom and uncle. And so you were forced to see the psychologist. Yeah. I was, I was picked up at home. Oh, we're going to go to Green Hills, uh, to make it feel better. So. Oh my God! Eat out, but when I went, yeah, sure we ate out. But after, yeah, after the lunch, I was brought to to her grave. I couldn't stay long or not. I said so. You went through with that session. Yeah, yeah, and I remember I was really angry, but I couldn't go. Yeah, so you suppressed it again. It's always yeah, yeah, I suppressed it again. Mm -hmm. And um, Carl said these psych prescribe also medication. No, the the funny thing there after I think. Three sessions with a psychologist. I was introduced to a psychiatrist. Okay. It was also, what, a, a deception? Yeah, some part. And the psychiatrist, he said, so just a few sentences. And then he takes out his pad and writes a prescription. My gosh. So I followed the prescription. I, I tried it. I even remember the drug because it gave me so much trauma. That one was really the peak of my trauma yeah. and um, what my emotional crisis. Wow. It was, it was Tocradil, which was the antidepressant, and Milleril, which is, which is a, a depressant. Okay. So I take the Tocradil, the antidepressant, uh, in the morning. So it, it gives me some, some energy, some happy, artificial happy feeling. Okay. And then at night, I have to sedate myself. It's like a roller coaster. My gosh, did you feel the effects? I mean, did you, did it help? Yeah, uh, no, it did not. It, I worked in the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, I was, I wanted to talk in my psychiatrist. Oh my gosh. Because it really screwed up my, my mental health more. Yeah? And how, in what way? Because it's like in the morning or, yeah, in the morning, it, it gives you a, an up mood. At night, it gives you a, you have to sedate yourself to calm down. So it's like you're, you're like a robot in the morning, you're up in the, at night. It's like a roller coaster. Right, yeah. And it's like a, during daytime, I'm on uppers. During nighttime, I'm on downers. It's like I'm just asking myself, 
I know what do I want? I mean, do I want basically to So I stopped. I think I was supposed to take that for three months. I just couldn't take it on the first week I stopped it. Yes. I'm so happy. Because I was going, I think I was going to sing that time. I couldn't feel right anymore. I couldn't feel the emotions anymore. It was like, you're being, I was being numb. Yeah, that's what I heard is that you do feel numb. You just, yeah. it, you don't feel anything. And that that's just not human. Yeah, it's better to it's feel like, sad than numb. There's the anger, but something is stopping the anger. It's like a chemical is stopping the anger. Yeah. It's just there. And that and it uh, it worsened my rage. I went into rage that time. A, oh, a wow. little a little trigger would give me rage. Oh wow. Yeah. And I went through withdrawals on one. And after that I told myself never. Okay. And then how old were you around this time? All I remember was I was second year high. Second year high. So you were like 14, 15, so around talaga that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I had go on. I mean, leave of absence during high school, during our days, our time, was non-existent. But yeah. I, was, I think I was the first one who went to, who went into LOA because I couldn't, I couldn't feel right anymore because of the drug. Yeah. I went through some horrible need. Horrible. Withdrawal, yeah. My gosh, and you were just all of 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So young at, at, at that time and it's already had been through so much trauma and uh, yeah and then to top it all off this experience this terrible experience yeah, yeah. and that was the time that vices started coming in because that was the only time that or that was the only thing I knew how to cope right yeah so I got into drugs because of yeah because of all the trauma okay and the drugs it did it last for a while until you got uh older till adulthood no it was it was on and off it was on and off because i took more of um what sleeping pills dollars because when i'm sleeping that's a time that i don't feel those uh those anger those negative emotions so it was like the the drug of choice that time was more on on getting throughout getting Getting so spaced out that you just need, yeah, or right. I just need. It yeah. is an escape, actually. Right, yeah, and that escape is like it's addictive when you find the world is not a safe place. It's nice to escape. Yeah, yeah. totally understand you. How did you cope with the with the drug? Was there did it go to the level of pretty heavy addiction or? It was on and off, and then high school was quite heavy, heavy using, and then I was able to to pick up myself again. Went to college with father. It was our uh, a respite for me to get out of my school in high school. Okay. So I went. I went to Lasalle, and that that time I covered up. Um, I got into a relationship that time during college. Okay. And then a trauma again came when we had to end the relationship because of um a racial issue. Racial issues. Yeah. Ah. When my girlfriend was a pure time. I understand. Yes, that's right. Okay. So it's a no no. For, yeah. For Chinese and the Filipino. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's another trauma. I had to stop food first because I wanted her to grab it. But I couldn't concentrate. Did you feel any symptoms that time? After the breakup, what were the symptoms you were experiencing? Did you go back into depression? Oh, yeah. I went I went into, I went into depression. There was also some anger because the thing that made it stop was just because of, uh, we were getting along. It was yeah. just, uh, an internal issue that that we had to enter. Yeah, yeah. More of external factor. We, we couldn't control. Right, right. My gosh. So uh, the dominant 
it was more of the dominant uh, emotions at the time was, was um, sadness, yeah, depression, and yeah. some anger. Yeah, sadness, depression, and anger, of course. In GNM terms, I could immediately find that the, this is the kind of trauma that can cause constellation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Did you, were there any um, feelings of wanting to end, wanting to end life, wanting to end everything? It wasn't really wanting to end life, but if it would end, okay lah. Yeah. It was like yeah. that, but it wouldn't come from me. Yeah, it I wouldn't. Would I wouldn't do the, but if external factors came and, and um, it ended my life, parang that time, okay lah. Okay lang, yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Because it, it might be like a post-mortal constellation which would have like a territorial anger and a sexual conflict. Like, But it, it wasn't that she didn't like you. Eh? I mean, she still did. Eh? So it wasn't really a, a sexual conflict. Yeah, she yeah. was still yours. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a, a territorial fear, territorial anger. It's more of you took her away from me. Yeah. And then there was, yeah, that, okay. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really serious conflict, really serious conflict. So after that, you got back into... Ah, I, what... I, that time, the only coping mechanism I knew was to get numb. To get mad. The emotion was, was, was overwhelming. The emotion was overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming. So the, the only thing I knew was, I need to get numb again. So I, I got into deep drugs that time. It was still the same dollar thing, more on, on barcada, just to escape. It was more right. emotional. It was overwhelming. Yeah, it was too much. Yeah, I can imagine. Wow, Carl, so, <laughs> so much, so much you know, opportunities to become bigger, better, <laughs> you know, self-mastery yeah. opportunities, right? Like when life schools you this way. Yeah, and and then when how what happened? How did you get out of that? Or did you get out of that chapter? I, I went out of the chapter, but that went on for five, six, or seven years. All of my friends who were in the same boat as me went into rehab. Oh, okay. Voluntary. So I was one of the few who was still outside. Okay. And I tell na I was already sick and tired of getting sick and tired. Okay. And you were about how old at this time? Oh, the time I was already 24. 24. Yeah, so I went into rehab and that the time I think I learned about You learned about what again? EQ. Emotional EQ. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was I was trained to introspect to get in touch with my people. Who face um the other the other cargo. Oh wow. So in, in your experience it was good. It was good for you. Yeah. Really helped yeah. you a lot? Yeah. Yeah. It did. The rehab that I went to was not unity. The door is open. You wanna leave? Go ahead. We won't force you. Oh wow. Where was this? The name's New Beginnings Foundation. Okay. It's a 12-step program. It was situated before in a big house in Paranaque, in India. Okay. It was like a resort. Oh, wow. So there's, I mean, food galore. Every time <laughs> it's like buffet. It's like, it, it didn't feel like a rehab. Oh, wow. Fabulous. Yeah, but you also had to do chores and all of that. You, no, you're... no, no. No, no, no. It's not that kind of aloha. No. Wow, it's just it, it like there was just structured. Get up at uh during weekdays. Get up at six thirty. Okay. Write your journal. We were trained to 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 do journal writing to get in touch with ourselves, and then breakfast, and then um study the books there about twelve step 
narcotics anonymous alcoholics anonymous book and then in the afternoon after uh, and then last time afternoon it was break till around 3 p.m it was more of group sharing oh wow okay so it 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 trained it trained me into getting in touch with it, my emotions um body dating how i feel wow because before i would i would really um deny that sad before well, you're sad huh you're not supposed to be sad that's that's a that's a layman's um notion of sadness well, yeah why are you sad if you're sad well, uh, uh-uh, but are you not allowed to feel sad or you're weak if you're sad yeah yeah and yeah in rehab that in new beginnings that i i learned about there's no wrong or right wow feeling. i like this i like this place how long were you there for? The program is only a 45-day thing. And then after that, you know, actually it was a voluntary thing if, if I wanted to go through a halfway house. It's like okay. halfway between going back to the new world. Uh-huh. I, to the, to the, I mean, real world. Uh-uh. Yeah. So I opted to take that to to get a... Because that time I felt 45 days was like bitten. Uh, you want, you, you liked it that much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it taught me a lot. Wow, amazing. But did you have a hard time in the beginning? Were there withdrawals? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were withdrawals. How long did that last? Withdrawals lasted for me two weeks. Two weeks? I couldn't sleep or I, I'd, I'd be able to sleep around one hour, wake up, and then try to go back to sleep. It was two weeks and then I felt nauseated. It was more of the physical. You had cravings. You were dying to get back to it or was there was no, that urge um the surroundings in, in the institution was i didn't i didn't really crave if the craving was there you were taught to uh if the craving sets in just to state it through if, if um like if i want to use now maybe it was like telling myself okay i'll postpone it for one one hour and then i'll postpone it again for another hour so you're like buying time until until the craving Masses. Okay. Yeah. So you could just say like every time you do that, it's like you're training yourself, you're conditioning yourself to have that same response all the time. So yeah. that when it comes, it's already automatic that when it comes, this too will pass. So I might as yeah, well yeah, not yeah. even give it the time of day because it's just gonna pass. Yeah, that's actually after where I also learned the phrase which to about. Okay, perfect. And, and and it's become your phrase to find that place of grounding and centering. Mm-hmm. Great. And Carl's is New Beginning still around, this kind of structure? It's not anymore uh, an inpatient thing. It's because of the regulations of uh, PIDEA, Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency. Okay. They wanted more of a punitive type of rehab. Yes. New Beginnings is still there, but on an outbreak. Okay, so meaning you just go for the day yeah, and then the keep day. coming back. Yeah, that's a little bit hard. I can imagine that, I mean, just reading your body language when you're talking about it, it doesn't seem like you're talking about a rehab and you're, you know, trying to get over an addiction to hard drugs. It feels like it was such a wonderful experience for you yeah, and transformative. It's like a Because every afternoon we could go swimming. The facility had a pool, had a gym. Every weekend, there's there's uh, what we call uh, night out. The whole group, the residents, as, as we term it then, because I, I was one of the residents, all of us would um, go out as a group, would have dinner. Oh, not bad. 
Yeah. And then, um, on Sundays would, we would have breakfast that time. Every Sunday was breakfast time in Yacht Club. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was really wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine also it's not cheap to go get into this kind no. of program, right? Because no, 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 it no, feels no. like a long vacation. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think it's really, I think it's really good. Um, but it really, it would work only if you work. There's a saying there that you cannot rely on us. You have to work your work. That's true. You're right. And I will actually, that was my next question is, did everybody feel or get out of it what you did the same way as you did? Or no. were there some people who just didn't get it? No. There were yeah. some people, there were some residences who just came in for compliance. Ah, okay. And then? For, for compliance. But right. they just had to finish the program and then back to the old life again. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. they got out. Uh-oh. So, sayang lang. Well, you know, uh, who who gets the short end of that, right? It's not it's not yeah, baby, exactly. it's not the family. No. Yeah, it's pretty much them. Yeah. The but family we, just wasted money. That's all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But we we each have our lessons <laughs> to mm-hmm. learn. Yeah. So so that's okay. Yeah. So after that, when you got out, the, the say of the gift of sobriety, I felt it. Wow. Went into, I got a job after, and then I settled down after three years. Wow, okay. From, from the time that, that I got down. Right. I felt there was still some issues not resolved yet. There was still some tracks that I couldn't identify. Yeah, some track. Yeah. I couldn't really identify. I, I knew that, yeah, I was sober. I mean, substance free, but it's like something is lacking or something has not been addressed. Or identify. Right. So, parang there's still some stored memory in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then fast forward to the time that you approached me, Diva. What mm-hmm. What was the impetus behind that, or what made you finally say, "Oh, um, let me let me inquire with Ellie and Yeah. Because before Unlimited, when I settled down, there were some traumatic experiences again, and I tried again the CBT. Okay. But but that time my psychologist was already retired. So I had to look for a new one. It was already pandemic that time. So it was online. I tried it. I tried two different um, sites. And then I said, oh, it's the same ball game. Nothing has changed. I got nothing has changed ever since 1980. Oh my gosh. Still the same approach. Yeah. And for the longest time that I've been seeing a site, I could already manipulate the site. Because <laughs> you can predict the behavior, yeah, the patterns, yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know what, <laughs> what they're observing on me. I know I know what to say for, for me to hear this from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, this is not going to work anymore. This is going to be a waste of money again. Waste of money and time. Right. And at that point, you, were, you weren't willing to go back to meds, right? No more, no. Yeah. After that, I never... Never really took those um, anti-psychotic or or med. I I really, and then I mean I I found about you because yeah I was watching the Hudley <laughs> CDCPH. So for yeah. people who don't know, was part of a a, a group 
Oh, freedom fighters what defend people's rights or human rights and, mm-hmm. you know, body sovereignty, which is so perfect with biohacking because it's all about that. Every Saturday, we would have a huddle where we would gather all of the, the speakers in our group and then have people and audience interact with us and grow the awareness around what we were trying to fight for. So Carlo was one of the audience and we would watch our huddle every Saturday. And then I saw your, I saw Unlimited on, on popped up in my Facebook feed. I became curious. <laughs> At that time, you were already talking about the sessions that we were doing or the, the modalities that uh, we've been doing. Actually, I did, I did remember Unlimited. It was my wife who said, why don't we try it? I said, oh, this is something new. I think it's about time to explore something new, something out of the box. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the time I, I went back to. So I'm not sure if you knew I was a trauma therapist that time, but you know, when no. people know that I'm a trauma therapist, they see the word trauma, it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to face any of my demons anymore. I don't want to face any skeletons and all. However, um, just like what Carla was saying, that there's so much that's that was still in there that wasn't addressed. There's like so much stored memory. It's kind of like having dirty clothes underneath the cupboard and, you know, it's being mm-hmm. hidden or under the rug. It's you no know, matter how much you clean this space, you know it's not completely clean because there's still stuff that's stuck there. Yeah, you cannot keep the skeleton in the closet for so well because it's gonna come out. <laughs> it's gonna come out exactly. One one trigger, it will come out. Yeah, exactly. Which we call tracks, right? In Germanic new medicine, yeah, we mm-hmm. call them tracks. Yeah, those are tracks. And so by this time, I was already maybe a year and a half into Germanic new medicine. Everything that I did was already through the Germanic new medicine lens. We always look at constellations, or these are two or more conflicts that land in two hemispheres of the brain, mm-hmm. and the be- and it changes the behavior of the person as a coping mechanism because of survival due to a perceived distressful life situation or life experience. Mm. And so I always, as a childhood trauma therapist, we always look at the first time you ever felt unsafe, uncomfortable, you felt violated. It, it felt like you were all alone, you were isolated, and you didn't know what to do because you were such a young child. It's like, what is going on with me? And I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Right. And I believe that one of the first events was when you were seven years old and there was an argument with parents, like what you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So there was there was pala preschool now, but this one was the first thing that came to mind was when you were seven years old. Yeah. Right. And your parents were fighting and you didn't know what to do, but you felt like your heart was jumping out of your chest. I couldn't forget it. Yeah. We, said that. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't addressed by, by the psych. I mean, but the, the longest time that that was being her, I mean, more than two decades, that was not one year. Yeah, and the reason that we looked at that was because I believe in your present life, like whenever somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night, it activates this anger, a very deep one. So we look at that as, you know, once in a while we'll hear a noise that will wake us up. We'll just go back to sleep. It's like nothing. Yeah. But for you, if somebody wakes you up w- with a noise, you can stay angry for days or hours, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and so of the trauma. Yeah. And and so we would look at why. Why is it so why is it deeper than usual? And maybe it's a track to something else. But um, the question is always, when was the first time you woke up angry? Right? That's always like the clincher question. 
I feel this way when somebody wakes me up. Okay, when was the first time that happened? Yeah, when we did when we did the session, it, it came out that I was awakened in the middle of the night by the fighting. Yes. Yeah. And then I pretended that I was still asleep. And then very very traumatic. In fact, when when you still remembered it or tried to recall it, it was still there. You could still feel it, like even yeah. viscerally, like physically, the heart pounding. I remember you said I could still feel my heart pounding like I was seven years old. I again. felt I was again there. It was it, it was like I time traveled again That's to that right. particular town. That's right. Yeah, and this is what we call a track. You know, tracks to the original biological conflict, the DHS, Durkheimer syndrome. Is the very first time it ever happened was when you were seven years old. But anytime there is kind of like a noise or somebody's voice or whatever, or some, someone angry in the middle of the night, or even just something falling on the floor wakes you up, that sensation of getting woken up now, oh my God, there might be danger, that becomes a track. A track mm -hmm. is like an yeah. emotional bookmark to the original conflict. And it can keep any conflict alive, even if it happened five decades ago. The body still is trying to protect you from it. And, and that's why there's like the sensory impression of something you hear at night is straight to the amygdala, straight to the reptilian brain. Oh my God, get out of there, right? For a seven-year-old, it's a big thing. The seven-year-old feels so unsafe and doesn't know what to do, has no muscles yet, has no resources yet for self-protection or defense. And you just feel like this little helpless person. At your age now, you know, 50 years later, Carl, so you're still, you're okay now. You you can fight. Maybe you're a martial artist. You, you took some sports and everything. You're stronger. But sometimes it doesn't matter. You still feel like that seven-year-old. It's mm -hmm. still there. And thanks to you, you were able to, to pinpoint that trauma because no one, not even me, I mean, with, with the things I learned from the beginnings of introspection, that never came out. I never really saw that. But when we went through the session that, that, that you gave me, that was the only time it came out again. Yeah. It was a big deal, Bala. Yeah, a big deal. Yeah, we cleared it, sensory impressions mm -hmm. and all. And so the best way to test that is if somebody wakes you up again or something falls to the floor at night. Again, or... it, doesn't, it doesn't trigger me anymore. <laughs> it, 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 it happens several times already to be awakened by a noise, an un, unintentional um, dropping of a thing. It woke me up. I just go, yeah, okay, go back to sleep. <laughs> but if it was like before, that was great. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep again. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, oh my gosh, that, that's amazing. Imagine, imagine if at seven years old, you already had these tools with you. Imagine that, you know. Yeah, Phil. If, if children also now have this these kinds of tools, which is actually one of my goals, is to embed this in, in all schools and to equip mm -hmm. children and parents and families with these kinds of tools, is to keep their bodies quiet, keep their organs quiet so that they can work on being who they were meant to be <laughs> and stop defending themselves, you know, from perceived yeah. distress. So I'm very happy to have helped you in that way, Carl's. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. I know we had other issues, so we, we really went through the deepest programs now to, to look at other issues in other timelines of your life, other chapters mm -hmm. of your life that were still having sensory impressions. You know, they're still there. And yeah. then if there's a track of it, it will again trigger your alarm system. So the goal is how can we make you trigger less? 
how can we make you unfuckwithable? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that is always the goal. And I know we went through college stuff. I remember the the girl that you were not allowed to be with. We also cleared some of that because it yeah. was still very upsetting. That was still there. It was probably a track of something as well. So we also cleared mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And um, a lot of these tools that we did, you can do on your own, the right, Carls? Yeah. After you talk me so uh, the tools in the student part, uh, I, I still do that up to now. Yeah. What's your favorite tool that you use? In the main student mindset, wow. It, oh. There's, there's some magic to that. Oh, wow. Thank you for mentioning that to the podcast. I'm still listening to it. I mean, we didn't like it. Or, or Thank you so much. Wow. So, Mind Student and Maidkind is a song that was composed by the founder of GNM, Germanic New Medicine, Dr. Rekid Gerdhammer, mm-hmm. which he wrote during his 20th anniversary as a love letter to his wife. And actually, the song has magical qualities because it has a bioactive effect. Dr. Hammer wrote a book with, I don't know, there might be hundreds of testimonials, but not in the book for kids who have uh, global delays, who have become neurotypical. There are dogs in uh, and cats on anxiety, no lying anxiety. There's also a heart attack. There is scleroderma. There's psoriasis programs. What else? Depression. You name it. Cancer, of course, a really big sarcoma that grew out like it looked like, you know, a pregnant <laughs> a pregnant tumor um, growing out of the, the rib. Ganong kalaki. Survived. Completely survived. So you still listen to it every night? Not not just only at night. Yeah, during even during the day. Especially when I don't feel balanced. Okay. And then, I don't know, there's a magic that balances things in my head. I love I it. Know, I, I don't know what... what is there in that uh... I love it thank you so much and and I will explain it after this podcast I will explain the magic behind it why it's there I also listen to the vocal uh, version I okay. found it in I found it in YouTube but it's only two hours okay yeah uh, I, have... I think I think that's Dr. Howard's uh, voice there yes actually that is a song that he wrote the book about so it's it's the vocal version the 432 version of Dr. Hammer's voice yeah, that really garnered all of the testimonials instead of the choir version, which is for 40 hertz and the other versions with the hand pan and all of that. The really pure one that is tried and tested for hundreds of times now is the is Dr. Hammer's voice with 42 hertz. Yeah, actually, that one has more magic. Yeah, that one has more magic. Yeah, and it's something because he wrote the song and sang it. And so there is, so the song is imbued with his consciousness, his intention, his love. And also he was going through some sort of biphasic biological program when he wrote it. So I think, I believe there was a territorial fear around, he was going through the bronchial territorial fear, mm-hmm. um, SPS, Senseful Biological Special Program. And when he sang it, the consciousness was imbued into the song. It represented a full biphasic system. When we look at Germanic New Medicine, we look at two phases, the conflict active phase that starts or triggers, activates a biological program. In the middle is the solution or antidote to that conflict, which kicks into the healing phase, the second program. And so that song is a complete biphasic system representation of all sensible biological special program that occurs in all of nature. And so the body has a resonance and a recognition of that biphasic system and starts to resonate with it. The body starts to resonate with that consciousness. 
And so whatever, wherever conflict you are, if you have a biological program, and if you are in a conflict active phase, let's say, it will gradually push you toward or downgrade the conflict into the healing phase. If you're in a hanging healing phase, it will gradually push you towards maybe the second healing phase, things like that. So it will yeah, downgrade. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's beautiful, but it takes time because nature takes its sweet time. So it takes two to three months of continual 24-7 looping. Otherwise, if there's an interruption, then you're interrupting the process of mm. nature. It has to be tuloy-tuloy for you to really find the resolution, at least in the experiments, case studies. It was 24-7, two to three months at least, where they really found shifts. Because the body doesn't just shift just like that. It needs to parang activate the, the new mechanism and then go at it for several iterations until it moved the needle far enough that it becomes its baseline. Diba? It's like learning a new language. When we learn a new language, it takes time for us to be able to be to come to that level where we can speak it naturally, where it's already imbued in ourselves. Diba? We don't walk out of French 101 speaking fluently because it's not there yet. But after how many iterations of it, then we become pretty good at it. Okay, so keep listening, Carls. And by the way, for everybody who's listening, this is a song that you can find on YouTube and you can use it immediately for anybody. It's for free. It's for anyone, for animals, for plants, for for I humans. I just have to get used to listening to it. I mean, once or whenever yeah. I'm going to bed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't um, listen to anything. I know that's the hardest time. But lower, you can lower the to the lowest, lowest volume. Sometimes when I listen to it, like if my cat is going through a program, I have to play it because my cat sleeps with me. I'll put the iPod, the old school iPod beside the aircon so that it kind of drowns out his voice a little bit. But I still have a little hearing. I can still hear it above the whir of the aircon. And I noticed that on some some hours of the night, it's completely silent. Some hours of the night, I can hear, I can discern his voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing it lately. And yeah, I think it, 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 it somehow helps. Because yeah. it's just subconscious that's active. Correct. Exactly. Yes. And so the brain is still working on the conflict in our dreams. Yeah. It's trying to find a solution in our dreams. And so it, to do that, it has to call back the conflict, right? And mm -hmm. and actually, um, between the hours of 1 and 3 a.m. is when REM happens, um, rapid eye movement. That's when the brain starts to prune and it starts to deconnect. It tries to dislodge associated emotions with events that happened, which is why sometimes when something bad happened during the day, you sleep it off. The next day, you feel so much better because the brain yeah. did its therapy work. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sleeping, you're not getting this free therapy. Now, if you're sleeping plus listening to my student in Michigan, you get therapy plus more. You get more resolution, more balance and all of that. So it's more important to listen to the song at night than it is during the day. However, right. if there is a conflict that, that keeps happening during the day, it may help as well. It will help as well, right? But that's to help downgrade the conflict. But what it doesn't do is that if it's a visual conflict, like if there's a person who is always creating this conflict and that person is right in front of you, no matter how much you hear Dr. Hammer saying, it oh. cannot remove or downgrade that conflict. It cannot. When it's visual, it's visual. It's hard to hard to kind of remove or the, or dissociate the conflict from that person who's right in front of you. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's the only thing. But at night, it will help. 
it will help at night to kind of downgrade the conflict load yeah, I from, from that I've visual. Been it, I've been doing it quite some, for quite some time. If you look at that light, at the very volume number one. And yeah, I mean, when I wake up, mine is more clear. That's amazing. I'm so happy, Carlos. Wow. If we didn't know GNM, we wouldn't have this part of it, which is such yeah. an essential, unique part of GNM. The thing that with GNM, I became more sensitive to, to the conflict. Yeah, because you know it, you're more aware of it. So explain yeah. that a little. Uh, give us an example. When I let's say a conflict or, or, or I got into an argument with, with a person, or let's say my wife, my team, I know that I'm going to go through some after the conflict has been resolved, I immediately clean the healing pain. Something takes a usually manifest through in my digestive system. Ah, uh, okay. So you feel the nausea or you feel the vomiting or the no. diarrhea? It's yeah, it's the diarrhea. Okay. So it's it's so when it's diarrhea, it's mostly an indigestible morsel. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's an indigestible anger because that's the mm-hmm. digestive organ. Uh, there's a language of the digestive organs usually as an anger. And then, like, yeah. yeah. And then I also enter the fatigue day or days. Right. Okay. So yeah. I, I knew that, okay, I'm in, the, I'm in that meaning thing. And then afterward, it feels so light. Yeah, exactly. It's so light. I can, I can serene after that. I, I will have to go through the uncomfortable face of the anything. But the important thing is you're aware. You don't have to go to the hospital or you don't have yeah. to take some sort of whatever for for your stomach issues. You just wait for it and just observe it. Understand that, you know, it's part of a biological conflict healing phase. And then you just observe it and that's it. Just wait. Yeah, and whenever I feel that something physically or, or I did something physically wrong or 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 a pain, let's say migraine or what. There's my tendency. No, it's not a tendency. I go to learning GNM again. <laughs> LearningGNM.com, of course. Yeah, LearningGNM.com and, and, and look it up. Look up the, the organ that that is being affected. And then I thought, ah, okay. So yeah, I, I went to this one. <laughs> and then I'll just wait for the, no, I'll just wait for the. Yeah, and see, that's the important thing is that there's no fear around it. There's no like, oh my God, do I have cancer? Or, you know, because that would just get you into all sorts of conflicts, right? You're proactive. When when I saw it, uh, one of my concerns was my hypochondria. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I I, I, I do. I actually forgot it now, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But GNN removed that. After learning GNN, yeah. I'm still in the process of learning. Yeah, so am I. No more, no more hypochondria thing or psychosomatic thing. Not I knew it's a, okay, I'm feeling this. What cost it? Or what cost it? Fabulous. And I love that you mentioned psychosomatic because when you believe that you're going to get it, you are going to get it because the psyche is a powerful thing. It's going to manifest whatever you feel is the truth for you and it will just react to whatever is true for you. Even if it's an imagined fear or an imagined thing, if fear is false evidence appearing real, it will still activate something. So when you think, oh, I'm, I'm, my dad died at 55, I'm going to get cancer also at 55 and then I'll die. It may just happen and I have seen it. And yeah, so yeah. Be, be careful what you think because it may just really come true. 
So that's the beauty of you being proactive with learning GNM. To remove hypochondriacal yeah, uh, behavior yeah, is a big thing. That's a big thing. I love it. Before, it used to scare me. I mean, frequent migrate used to scare me. It's like you tend to awkwardize then the symptoms. Now, oh, I might have brain tumor. Or two more, or, or um, yeah. brain cancer, or something physically, physically yeah. well with my brain. But after learning GNM or researching about it and looking through their teaching, I mean, it took it away. I mean, yeah. I was it? I'm not anymore afraid of whatever things up. Yeah, and you know that migraines now are actually a good thing because migraines, when you feel the stabbing pain, it's different from a headache. So a migraine is part of the epicrisis, which is the middle part of the yeah. healing phase. It's like the healing uh, crisis in the middle, which is the body trying to move forward into the second healing phase, which is closer to normatonia or when you go back to your usual self. Mm -hmm. And so the migraine is there. The sharp stabbing is trying to move out the edema in the brain because the, the body heals with water and there's excess water around the body, around the brain. And the migraine is just enough pressure to push that out so that you can pee it out. So that's all it is. You're just healing something and you're going to be back to normatonia soon enough. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. So it all boils up to like identifying the country. Yes, exactly. So I want to take it a step further. Okay, I'm a, I'm a coach, right? So um, mm -hmm. it, it's all about becoming, it's all about biohacking is controlling your biology so it doesn't control you. So when you have this level of awareness like you, Carl, so it's a pretty high level where you know, oh my gosh, I'm going through this particular conflict. What you can do is, well, let's say your wife triggers you or gives you this indigestible anger all the time when she does this particular thing. Like, ah, oh, kakainis. So controlling your biology would be preempting that. Preempting that my wife triggers me and gives me an angry digestive organ, which mm -hmm. goes into diarrhea every time, no? Yeah, yeah. What you can do is, well, reframe it, preempt it. If, when she does that, I'm not going to allow my organs to get angry anymore. So mm -hmm. I don't have to lose cells and extra water and whatever mm -hmm. for me to go into diarrhea because, you know, it's uncomfortable. So even before that happens, I'm not going to allow indigestible anger to land on my organs, on my, yeah. on my body. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be strong in my center. She can do whatever she wants, but there's no effect on my organs. And I think this is where the power of GNM lies. Because you could look at learning GNM as like a cookbook. You could just read it and, and learn what each recipe is all about, what comprises each recipe. Oh, it's this, 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 and just read it and as inf purely informational. But you could actually use it and take action and actually cook the things in it. You know, how am I going to use the recipes in here? To, and apply it to my life is how do I um, make myself a better human with this information is knowing myself super well. I know she's going to make my, uh, my organs angry, but I won't let her or I won't let anyone make my organs angry. So you reframe, reframe either around your wife, make your relationship better where communication is better. Or you reframe your emotional soundtrack. So you make your emotional soundtrack very chill. In spite of the chaos that's going on, you're listening to a soundtrack that's very chill. And so you, either way, you keep your organs quiet. Mm. That to me is the gift of Germanic New Medicine, is really being uh, self-sovereign and being at that place where you can choose how to be. And usually it's to choose how to be better and bigger. It, that, that's really what evolution is all about. 
So for me, it's like dramatic new medicine is evolution, comma, unpaused. Because we, we be, we're better. We're not reactive. We're yeah, proactive. Yeah. And we understand everything that's happening. Oh, I have cancer. Oh, I have a tumor. That don't worry. It's going to disappear in, in three months, four months. Ganyan. Oh, I have a, you know, I have a brain tumor and I'm okay. I'm not scared about it because I shouldn't be scared about it. Oh, I have a sarcoma growing here in my rib. Oh, yeah, it's because I had a self-devaluation when somebody, you know, said something about me or whatever. You know, things like that. Imagine, yeah. imagine a world uh, with those yeah, kinds of humans. Make you sicker. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the body has a balance around that fear of death, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that, Carl. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I, I would like, if there's anything I'd like to teach people is to be like you, is to stop being a hypochondriac and being afraid of their bodies. Because your body has only one objective in this world is for you to not die. Anything that you tell the body is, body, I want to do this because I'm going to be a stronger, better person. It's just going to say, yes, let's do it. It doesn't want you to die. So cancer is not there for you to die. Alzheimer's is not there for you to become worse. Kidney is not there for you to shrivel up. No, we have to understand that they all have their biological purposes. Before, when I was in what the high book period, I feared ever since I was a kid, I feared appendicitis. Oh. Because because of the program, but Lolos, Lolas, the elder, they oh, don't play yet. You just ate, you're going to get a baby tired. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I used to hear that too. And true enough, at age of 50, I got an appendicitis because I was always afraid of getting a oh, oh, yes. Got it. Oh, oh, so you had it removed? I had it. I had it removed. I, I went through uh, an appendectomy. Oh my gosh. And then I, I, I said, ah, that's why I had this. Well, I was always fearful of them to call me. Yeah. Because your psyche is always listening. Eh? Well, if, when you look at the biological program of appendicitis, it's it's an indigestible anger also. It's anger also. That's why colon, pancreatic cancer, stomach cancer, uh, gastritis, all of that, those are so common, you know, um, what you call this Crohn's disease, is because there's an anger there. So, yeah, so there's anger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I believe yeah. there was also anger in your, your life probably. Uh, plus, it was um, parang made more true by the belief behind it that you would get it. Yeah, because of the fear. I love it. So thank you so much for sharing. So, Carl's, how have your relationships both with yourself and with others kind of evolved as a result of this healing journey with GNM and biohacking? Ah, I went. I went through that's a new roommate. Yes. <laughs> it's it's wow. It's like wow. wow. Really? How is it yeah. magic? Before, um, I could, whenever they talk to me, yeah, they're there, they will, they're there, they're but I could feel that they have the anger or resentment towards uh, okay. because of the traumas that uh, I inflicted to them when, when they were young. Right. And thanks to you, you were able to balance our relationship, but that's what we call it, balancing of relationships. <laughs> yes. It's magic. It's, we're okay now. I mean, they're open. I can see that when they when they talk to me or when I talk to them, yeah. there's no more resent here. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it, I have to say, it's not me, Carls. I'm just the middleman guide. It's you guys because you, you agreed, you, you both agreed that you would step up and show up for each other 
and want to make it better. Like if one party out of your your partnership didn't want to collaborate, it wouldn't be as successful as it was. But because both of you came to it equally expressive, equally willing to make it better, that's the reason for the success. You know, I provided the opportunity for it, but you really ultimately provided the possibility, the magic is because you both wanted it so much. And, you know, there's so much love in families. Sometimes there's there's just no opportunity to say it because it's so awkward or, you know, life gets in the way. But when we find a, a safe space to be able to express what's really in our heart without anything getting the way, no judgment. And that's why we, we let you see each other from a place of beyond what you know about that person, beyond what you think of that person or what your relationship is, is to go above it and see that person from that level and then balance it there. Yeah. But the thing is, after that session with you, I was the only one who went through the healing phase. Oh, yeah. How come my kids had brought through the healing phase or they thought? Maybe they just didn't tell you or they're not aware or maybe you're the only one who has a label for it. You are the only one who knows what a healing phase is or Mm -hmm. what to call it, right? When you feel uncomfortable symptoms, you're the only one that knows what it is. But for people, they they just dismiss it. You know, I have sakit ng, I have masakit yung likod ko the next day. Yeah, wala lang yun. It's just my, my bed or I played basketball and, you know. They don't have a, a real definition for it or an awareness as much as you do. Yeah. I went through some, yeah, it was more of a Yeah, I know. A lot of emotional targets have been unknown. Yeah, and then normatonia. So, so a lot of the, so fatigue also has a biological purpose. It's for you to just stay put and rest. Yeah, and rest, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you're golden. You're new, diba? Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Uh, my relationship is. With my kids are very good. Oh, I'm happy, Carl. Nothing makes me happy. I can, I can also see that uh, a lot of burden has been lifted off the forward. Oh, good. Okay. I love that. That makes my, my work worth it. I should just close the center. Goodbye. That That's done. <laughs> I'm just so no, happy. You're, you're doing a good job. Oh, thanks, Carl. It, Thank it's, it's something new, but yeah, I we just we just have to be open to to new things. Yes, thank you so much. If your 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 approach is out of the box, it's not yes. the conventional traditional way. Yes, it is. It's out of it's different. It's out there. Yeah, I can testify it works. Thank you so much. I'm happy. It makes me so happy. That's just that's my purpose, really. To bring harmony. Wow! If I found out about it, what ten years ago, tapos na sana. <laughs> well, 10 years yeah. ago, I was uh, snowboarding as a yeah, scuba diving. Yeah. I was sort I was of a bomb. Unlimited, yeah. Trust me, 10 years ago, I was playing video games for 15 hours. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah I was such a bomb. I was just scuba diving, leaving the country, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. You One could say that I was soul searching, but really, I, I, I had no idea what, what I was going to do. But I was looking for something. It was it was going to come, but not 10 years ago. And I was in that phase. Yeah. Well, maybe you're, I mean, everything has its proper time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so happy, Carl's. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. You're welcome. So, Carl's, my question to you is, if you had a magic wand and then the world would turn into a world that is your ideal world, what will that look like to you? A world that uh, each and every individual would have some looking in 
or introspection. Because the, yeah. the way I look at it right now, it's more of out towards it. It's more of looking out than looking inside. Yeah, yeah. Whenever there's a conflict, we tend to look outside to blame and we couldn't see what our contribution is or or how uh, how our emotion are. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the word that I want would be an emotionally quotient human being. Yeah, you're right. And it, that's really to focus more on being emotionally resilient. Yeah. Fantastic. I have that same vision as you. And if I were to wave a magic wand, that definitely is in there. Yeah, true. So thank you so much, Carls, for your time. I have taken so much of it. Well, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to talk anything under the sun about GMM. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the process of learning. Yeah, me too. Is like, it, it's like a, what my go-to uh, information right now. Same. Even if I'm uh, in the educator course, I have other resources. I always go to Learning GNM. That's it. Every single day, I go to that website. And there's a phrase there that I, I really love. I couldn't, couldn't remember it word for word. But the Dr. Howard said, take this as an opportunity to learn to forget. Oh. And change your perspective. Yes. I, I couldn't remember the, the exact word, but it was. I love that. I love that. A little bit of us, because in us, we, we rebel against, the, we go against the grain, or we look at broken paradigms, which we think the medical paradigm is a little bit broken, and we want to make enemies out of them. But mm -hmm. in hearing you say that, and him saying that, to forgive is maybe to forgive the blindness of conventional medicine, because they really didn't know any better, maybe. They just really had no real understanding of how the biology worked. They just saw it in a, in a pedagogic way, the way it was taught to them, and then the name blame came. It's maybe to have, find some forgiveness for them, and also because if it brings us anger, well, our digestive organs are going to be adapting to that anger. Mm -hmm. What's the use? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the use? Well, I really don't know if they don't know. They just don't want the information. You're right about that. Yes. I believe they do know. Because it won't make my own. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that's okay. We're, we're changing the paradigm. And people are free to choose whether they want to choose that path or they want to be self-sovereign. Mm -hmm. right? They want to be in control of their biology. They are sovereign beings to choose this path that we're on. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for pointing out everything you did today. I'm sure you're going to help so many people because of I your own so. journey. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Or you're listening. There's hope. Yeah. There is. Thank you, Carls. Great hope. word. There's hope. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> not 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 with the traditional um, <laughs> CBT. I mean, I'm talking from experience. It didn't. Yeah. It was just a band-aid thing. If you've tried everything on the planet, try this and see if this helps you. Yeah. I'm not saying it's for everybody. Certainly not. But if you are just out of your wits, out of your head, you've tried everything. Carlos, right? There's hope. Right. Yeah, and so many work. other things. It's your work. Exactly. I love that. That's a great reminder, right? Do the work so the work works for you. Yeah. And practice makes permanent. Yeah, permanent. <laughs> yeah that's always my joke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, Carlos. I, I am so proud of how far you've come. And certainly you couldn't have come this far with just me, my work, 
you are doing this the important most important work and that's self-work self continuous self-exploration and important really really up to now i still open it whenever i'm not in a coherent mode i still oh. open it oh good okay i'm glad okay. i still practice that that, that, that everything that uh that, that I yay thank you i'm glad so you're only three out of 60 something people who open the student portal you know sometimes because people get tamad to open a you know a, a portal and then do the techniques but actually if you use them it will it's life-changing well oh, it's a very helpful tool i mean those those tools there it works it may yeah. you may look silly but <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. That's another uh, nugget that you're sharing. Thank you. Uh, you are a testament, right? Look at you. I mean, my gosh, the stuff that you've been through, holy kamote. And look at you now, how in control you are of your own life, your own biology, your relationships are getting better. And the heart map. Very important. Oh my map. gosh, of course. Heart map. There's like an, an, an innate break. Break Click. stops you from going to the point of no return. That's right, yeah. And and actually, I wanted to point that out. Karina, when you were saying that that the drugs were making you numb, it's like you have this anger, but something is stopping it unnaturally. Heart math works differently. Heart math works organically with the, with the nervous system. There's no chemical. It's actually a training. It trains your nervous system to become more resilient so that before you go to that point of that point of no return where you're so angry and you're yeah. smashing windows and everything heart math actually increases that muscle or grows that muscle that allows you to pull back so it it moves the energy from the amygdala which is the reactive reptilian brain and puts the energy into the higher cortical regions where you can actually be more objective find the solution be proactive instead of reactive so you become that bigger person You know, you become that person that, oh, I can completely control my biology and then find a solution. Instead of becoming an expert at the problem, you're an expert at the solution. And heart math is the only thing I know that does that. Yeah, and it also helped me a lot. I mean, finally got the adolescent already through heart now. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. And again, because you do the work being so the yeah. work works for you. So you have to do it. If you don't mm-hmm. do it, your you your nervous system can lose the practice. And it becomes automatic once you get used to practicing it. It becomes yes. automatic. Yes, yes. So six weeks is the minimum twice a day for you to upgrade your baseline. So what Carlos is Carlo is saying, it becomes automatic after you really do it for six weeks. In earnest, twice a day. It's like my system looks for it whenever I don't. That's right. Same here. So I have to do it. even five, ten minutes in a day. It's That's just, right. It's a lot of them. Thanks to your teachings of heart Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks to your practice of the work. Well, my gosh, the, the, the Carlos is a real biohacker and a GNM follower. I mean, you're like perfect for this podcast because it's all about those two. And about changing lives with those two in a very natural way, in a very safe, profound, meaningful way. So thank you so much for becoming my poster child for what biohacking and GNM can do to change lives. You're welcome. Actually, I'm the one who's supposed to be grateful to you for Aww. for your for the setup that I went. It's more than than the amount I think. 
Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for the trust. Thank you. Yeah, thank nothing, you. nothing makes me happier. Okay, Carl, thank you so much for this podcast. Thank you, too. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon, too. I'll, okay. be, I'll be dropping by one of these. Okay. As an adjunct to this episode, I'd like to talk about a few Germanic New Medicine conflicts mentioned in the episode. All of this information can be found on the website learninggnm.com. We talked about the aggressive constellation. A constellation is what is referred to in conventional medicine as mental illness. But in Germanic New Medicine, Dr. Hummer identified the exact causes based on collated CT scan readings and exploring life situations of thousands of patients. The aggressive constellation is the result of two active conflicts landing on both brain hemispheres. Territorial anger conflict lands on the lining of the stomach, pancreatic ducts, and bile ducts of the liver on the right temporal lobe. The identity conflict is on the rectum surface mucosa on the left temporal lobe. The control centers for these are located in opposing areas of the cerebral cortex. When a second conflict arises, the individual enters a state of constellation, exhibiting symptoms akin to manic depressive episodes in contrast to primary mania and primary depression. The dominance of either a manic or depressed mood is contingent upon the relative strength of the two conflicts. The constellation may persist over time or reoccur due to ongoing tracks or relapses of the conflicts. The aggressive constellation presents as a pattern of compulsive aggressive behavior. Individuals in a manic-aggressive state consistently exhibit confrontational and polemic moods, accompanied by an irresistible urge to engage in arguments. Often, sudden outbursts of aggression, including yelling, the use of insulting language, or fits of anger and rage, are triggered by conflicts or situations that activate a particular conflict track. Encountering such a track, whether it be a specific person, situation, or a subject, acts as a trigger, causing the individual to abruptly lose control, lash out, and potentially become destructive or violent. This behavior can be understood as a last resort defense mechanism for a person or animal facing a seemingly inescapable dead-end situation where the aggressive act represents their final opportunity to protect their territory and secure their position. As a consequence of this behavior, individuals in the manic-aggressive state often develop remarkable physical and mental resilience and strength. Consequently, the aggressive constellation can also produce rebels, subversives, revolutionaries, and activists who tenaciously fight for their beliefs. Dr. Hummer even referred to their state as the hero constellation. People in this constellation are known for their unwavering determination, strong willpower, and boldness. The aggressive constellation significantly influences a person's interests and career choices. It can lead individuals towards professions like law, where their compulsion to argue can be channeled into a career. It's also common for people in this constellation to have a passion for combat sports, such as boxing, wrestling, karate, or mixed martial arts. They are drawn to loud and heavy music genres like hardcore, punk, and metal, which mirror their intense emotions. In contrast, individuals in a post-mortal constellation may prefer melancholic music. 
engaging in reckless behaviors like reckless driving or seeking out risky situations is another hallmark of the aggressive constellation. Notably, the consumption of alcohol tends to amplify the manic state. Body piercing and tattoos, once associated with certain subcultures like convicts and biker gangs, have become mainstream in contemporary society. Interestingly, a 2015 study led by Viran Swamy, professor of social psychology at Anglia Ruskin University in the UK, found that people with tattoos tend to exhibit significantly higher levels of verbal aggression and anger compared to those without tattoos. However, the study emphasizes that the content of the tattoo is a better indicator of an individual's character than merely having a tattoo or not. In contemporary understanding, when children exhibit verbal or physical aggression, disruptiveness, disobedience, resentment, acting out in class, bullying other children, or tantrums, such behavior is often attributed to conditions like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, as related to a post-sensory cortex constellation, or oppositional defiant disorder. However, through the perspective of Germanic New Medicine, we can gain insights into the origins of their aggressive conduct, which are typically rooted in territorial anger conflicts manifested as anger at home or school and identity conflicts stemming from uncertainties about where they belong. These conflict combinations are prevalent among children in contemporary society, especially those from divorced families, single-parent households, or patchwork families. The GNM approach emphasizes addressing the underlying conflict-related circumstances rather than resorting to medication like Ritalin. The most effective way for parents to prevent or mitigate aggressive behavior is by providing their children with a secure and stable home environment where they have a clear sense of belonging. Disciplining a child in this context may inadvertently reinforce the existing conflict constellation. In both children and adults, an aggressive constellation can also manifest as passive-aggressive behavior. This might include tactics like giving someone the silent treatment, intentionally procrastinating, failing to complete requested tasks, or delivering backhanded compliments. Passive-aggressive individuals often employ sarcasm and scorn in their communication, using a subtly hostile attitude and insulting remarks with the intention of causing harm. In cases where there is a maturity stop, adults may revert to childlike behavior such as pouting or displaying defiance and may be unwilling to resolve disputes. While the manic-aggressive channels aggression outwardly towards others, the depressed aggressive directs this aggression inward, targeting oneself. In this context, we encounter individuals like the hypochondriac who becomes obsessively fixated on suffering from an often imaginary illness, and the masochist who derives pleasure from physical pain. On the opposing end of this spectrum is the manic sadist, compelled to inflict pain on others. In the framework of Germanic New Medicine, sexual sadomasochism is characterized as an aggressive constellation coupled with a Casanova constellation or Nympho constellation. In contemporary society, there is a troubling surge in self-injury among children and adolescents. 
Self-mutilation encompasses actions such as cutting oneself with scissors, razors, or knives, burning or branding one's skin with hot objects, engaging in obsessive skin picking to the point of causing bleeding, compulsively pulling out one's own hair, or even resorting to head-banging. These behaviors are often linked to feelings of anger at home, frustration at school related to territorial anger conflict, and a sense of not belonging or not fitting in associated with identity conflict. Like with Carlo, learning Germanic new medicine will soothe the soul about imaginary illnesses because it explains from a biological, therefore scientific level, exactly what is going on. For him, he knew that migraines don't mean you have a brain tumor, but are actually a part of the healing phase of a sensible biological special program. And now I'd like to talk about one of the greatest gifts of Dr. Hammer and Giovanna Conti to humanity in the song called Mein Studentin Mädchen, or My Student Girl. The song was written by GNM founder Dr. Hammer in 1976, even before he discovered GNM. He wrote it as a dedication to his beloved wife, Sigrid, and was played in To Begin to commemorate their 20th anniversary of being in love. In 1957, Sigrid became pregnant with her first child, and this created a territorial fear conflict in Dr. Hummer, being young students and fearful of not being able to secure a future for their child. They were desperately poor as students. Without the support of their family, they pursued their studies with a baby in tow, Sigrid taking medicine and Dr. Hummer theology and physics. They got married in a Lutheran church and had a honeymoon weekend in Kersbach in 1957. It was only 12 years after the war and they had very difficult lives. In his book, Mein Studentin Mädchen, sadly not available in English, but only in French and German, Dr. Hummer refers to the magic songs of Odin, the High One, which his ancestors, the Germanic tribes, know very well as therapy used by the plant kingdom. According to Odin, the seventh rune, Hagel's rune, the highest rune of the Germanic, the rune of the magic song, which my student in Menken seems to be identically expressed. This ancient song sung to infants going through a healing phase and helping to support the completion and bringing them to Normatonia. In the beginning of the book, it quotes Dr. Hummer, at present, with my student in Mirkin, cancer and all SBSs have been understood more clearly. From now on, cancer has a 99% chance of survival. Thanks to music teacher and brilliant pianist Giovanna Conti, whose book entitled The Biological Meaning of Music from the Point of View of Germanic New Medicine, she discovered GNM in 2002 when she had cervical carcinoma and used GNM to survive her program. She was hooked and began researching the biological effect of music. Through this, it was discovered that the song represented the biphasic system of the SBS or Sensible Biological Special Program of all living beings in nature and was thus subject to the five biological laws of nature. When Dr. Hummer wrote the song, he was going through a territorial fear conflict and Giovanna Conti noted that the biphasic system of conflicts is magically imbued into the song that was both written and performed by the composer. This mirrors the kind of biological effect we feel when we listen to Beethoven, Chopin or Mozart 
whose conflicts are imbued into the melodies they both composed and performed. This is not just hearsay, as the book Mein Studentin Medkin presents several success stories, notably cancers like sarcomas and breast cancer, skin conditions like full-body scleroderma, the preempting and survival strategy of a heart attack, the normalization of Down syndrome and other children conditions like global delays and even autism, even anxiety in cats and dogs. I often play the song when my cats are going through a SBS, notably recently when my cat had conjunctivitis, which would have been diagnosed as FIV or feline immunodeficiency virus. My cat would have been subjected to steroids for life and wouldn't have survived. But with a song and biohacking to support his SBS, he was like brand new in just eight weeks. You can look for the song Mein Studenten Mitken on YouTube in various versions, but the original version of Dr. Hummer singing the song in 432 Hertz is a tried and tested version with all the success stories. The song needs to be listened to and looped 24-7, especially at night because our brains are still trying to find a solution to the conflict and thus needs to recall the conflict. More often than not, we might not be aware that conflicts are kept active because we dream about them beneath our awareness. So listening to this song, whether or not you're aware, may help you find comfort in your soul and the weight can finally be dropped. Share this song with everyone you know so we may help one and all in resolving conflicts on their own. In appendicitis, it is related to the biological conflict linked to the colon, excluding the sigmoid colon, and it is what we refer to as an indigestible morsel conflict. This concept extends to other related organs like the stomach, duodenum, small intestine, and pancreas gland. In the case of animals, an indigestible morsel is a tangible piece of food. For humans, it can also be a metaphorical morsel, such as a car, a house, or a valuable object. Additionally, certain situations or unpleasant events can be perceived as an indigestible or non-absorbable morsel. I can't accept this. I can't digest this. I can't stomach this. For example, Conflicts may arise when an anticipated purchase, promotion, or promise cannot be accepted or digested. What distinguishes the morsel conflict associated with a colon, including the appendix and the cecum, is that it often carries an emotional charge, particularly in situations involving ugly disputes over money, property, divorces, legal battles, or betrayals. Often, we call it as an indigestible anger conflict. The conflict can also be an unjust accusation and sometimes involving jail time. Inflammation usually signifies the healing phase, and it is during the subsequent healing phase that the appendix can become inflamed, resulting in what is commonly known as appendicitis. In situations where the epileptoid crisis or the healing crisis is particularly intense, a rupture of the appendix can occur. As Carlo mentioned, believing that he will get appendicitis can push the activation of the conflict. This psyche is always scanning the body for conflicts and doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. Now I'd like to talk about some of the biohacks mentioned in the episode. 
HeartMath is one of the first biohacks that my bulletproof human potential mentor, Dave Asprey, introduced to his coaching mentees because it helped him overcome the fear of public speaking. Can you believe he ever did? I've been training with the HeartMath M-Wave 2 since 2016. Since then, I've become certified in three different programs, HeartMath Interventions Program, the HeartMath Trauma Sensitive Coach, and as a Resilience Advantage Certified Instructor, now known as the Coherence Advantage Program. For over three decades, the HeartMath Institute has dedicated itself to studying the intricate connection between the heart and the brain, uncovering how the heart shapes our perceptions, emotions, intuition, and overall well-being. HeartMath empowers individuals to access the remarkable power and wisdom held within their own hearts, what we refer to as heart's intuition. This newfound connection enables individuals to awaken their true potential and become the best version of themselves. The research conducted by the HeartMath Institute has revealed that different heart activity patterns exert distinct influences on our thoughts and behaviors. Through studies involving more than 14,000 participants, HeartMath Institute has demonstrated significant enhancements in mental and emotional well-being in as little as six to nine weeks. I've seen incredible results in myself. For one, my temper is tempered viscerally through my very trained nervous system. There is no such thing as rage or anger or reading contempt. There is no such thing as road rage anymore. Carla also came to see me for family balancing. As a biological relationships coach, I always look at what is happening at home, what is causing disharmony in the nest. If you know about the ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, you'll know that when people score 4 out of 10 and above, it increases the risk of addiction or alcoholism or severe behavioral imbalances by 70%. The questions comprise parents divorcing or separating, a death in the family, childhood sexual abuse, a member imprisoned, domestic violence, and the like. It is part of my purpose to help families break this pattern of imbalance, which nature is really trying to help you find an antidote to. That's why behavioral patterns are being passed down from generation to generation. But what if we find a way to break the pattern and help families become more conscious about themselves and thus work together to find balance by appreciating, empathizing, and supporting each other? The message here is, it is so possible. Like Carlos said, there is hope. He is the epitome of hope. He never gave up. He sought different ways by thinking out of the box, since the box was just not working for him. And he went to this same box for five decades. When we want to change the world, we need to start one family at a time. But we need to be the change. Let the change start with ourselves. I also have my favorite biohacking techniques like heart math, EFT, TAT, the Sounder Sleep System, a nut banyal method based on Feldenkrais in a student portal that I sell for Philippine pesos 2222. These are the techniques that I practice almost daily for several years to train my nervous system to have high vagal tone. In short, to keep me emotionally resilient.
just like Carlos Wish. It is so useful to teach these to your children so they have the tools to introspect, a word that Carlo mentioned and felt useful to his lifelong holing journey. Then the kids can self-help in order to regulate their nervous system on the spot. The link to buy the portal will be in the show notes. In biohacking, you control your biology so it doesn't control you. But first, heal your mindset. To Biohacking and Beyond, see you in the next episode.